Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cryptids in Your Backyard. This is a podcast about cryptids, paranormal activity, UFO sightings, and anything that is strange and or unusual. I am your host, Jeffrey Jameson, and with me tonight is Ella Jameson. Hi. What's happening, Ella? Nothing. Hear that? Hear that bag of combos? Oh, God. <laughs> That's our snack for tonight, combos. And pistachios. And pistachios. And magic milk. And magic milk. I'm not having magic milk. I'm having Milwaukee lattes. The old Milwaukee latte. All right. Um, so, where can people find us? YouTube. We're not YouTube. on YouTube. Sorry, not YouTube. I had this stuck in my head. Spotify. <laughs> Spotify. Because I I had that one thing like stuck in my head where it's like, oh my gosh, we're gonna watch my YouTube channel. <laughs> so that's what I thought. Um, we're on Instagram, the crypt is in your backyard, Facebook, and they can email us, the crypt is in your backyard at mail.com. So if you've had anything strange and or unusual happen to you, please let us know about it, share your story, and we will share it with others. 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 So what's been happening? Did you have a good week? Uh-huh. Man, we had a good week. What happened? What's we went on, on a haunted ghost tour in Savannah. That no. was so interesting. Yeah, it was really cool. And then um, I found the, uh, the original creature from the Black Lagoon. But this is like a real one. It was a taxidermied monstrosity. Why didn't you show me a photo? I did. It's been all over my Instagram. Uh, I don't our Instagram. Instagram. Well, you should. You should. You should just show me. Oh, wait till you see it. Okay. Um, let's find um, it. Um. So, things that happened to me this week. Mm -hmm. I brought home a dead raccoon. Mm -hmm. Gutted and skinned it, and mm -hmm. did a bucket with beetles or tank with beetles. And why would you do that? To get the bones. And what are you gonna do with the bones? Um. I might make some jewelry. Um, oh, wow. That's weird. Bone, bony jewelry? Like Why is the eyes like that? I don't know. It's so creepy. Yeah, it looks weird. Anyways, I'll post the picture again. So as I was skinning it when I got to the face, which was the worst part ever. Oh, my God. Never again. I'm never doing a skin until next week when I bring home another animal. Anyways, and I'm skinning the face. And my finger goes to the eyeball. Oh. And it's fresh. So I it's hope you're like, wearing gloves. Oh, I was wearing double and yeah, double. double because you don't want to get that on your hands. It was disgusting. That Never sounds again. disgusting. Never again. Well, I don't know why you did it in the first place, but. And then today I put my skull from like a few months ago in hydrogen peroxide with water. Oh, nice. So that will be done in two days. And, and that's I'll a, a that's a male deer skull. Yes, has little Buck. horns. Little horns. Antlers. Yeah, I'll post pictures when it's done. So everybody can know what she's doing and what she's learning. Any interest in doing taxidermy? No. Any interest in hunting and skinning more animals? No. <laughs> I find them on the road. It's gross. If they're not, like, flat or, like, really old. If they're fresh, then maybe. Most likely. Like, right. okay, so I was riding home on my skateboard, and, or no, I was riding to work on my skateboard, and I see the raccoon. I'm like, I'm coming back for you later. <laughs> so when I'm riding home, 
I see it again. I'm like, yeah. So then I put it on my skateboard. It's laying on it and deposit like on the front like this. Right. And I'm I press six. So I don't have to bend down as like I go. And I just drag it because it's big. It's a big raccoon. I know. It's really fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm dragging it, and it keeps leaning to the one side, so I have to turn it in and go. And our neighbors were outside. Which neighbors? In the blue house. <laughs> One that mow lawns a lot and sell wood. Oh, yeah, our next-door neighbors. Yes. But they're still a couple lots they, away. They, they saw me dragging <laughs> home a raccoon. Oh, my gosh. Thank God I had my music blasting. I couldn't hear a thing. Because they probably said some words. Were they down by the road? Oh, uh, they were fishing, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they probably did have something to say. Never again. Never again. <laughs> I'm never doing this again until next week. No, don't ever do it again. Anyways, that's all. I was about to bring home another one, but it was already gone. <laughs> Somebody else snatched it up. So. Yeah. That's what happens when you live in hot springs. That's what happens when you live in hot springs. That is what happens. Um, do you have a story to share? Let me get right into UFO news. Okay, you go first. I have so many interesting topics today. Okay, so these are um, some of the UFO topics that I have come across. Sounds bizarre, but this woman is seriously scared of aliens after nine UFO sightings. Yeah, this lady has seen nine UFOs. Can you imagine that? Okay, I'm going to read an article real quick. I cannot imagine. Do you believe in aliens? Maybe. Do you think life not originated on Earth may occur outside the blue planet? Well, some people do. Now and then, people have come up with outrageous theories related to their so-called encounter with extraterrestrial life. Recently, a woman has claimed that she has seen several unidentified flying objects, UFOs, and now she is too scared to leave the house. As per a report by UK-based tabloid The Mirror, trusted news source, the 51-year-old Sasha Christy fears that she may be abducted by aliens, so she doesn't go outside. As quoted by the website, Sasha said, It's very hard to explain my encounters, as it's hard for me to believe what I've seen. I've spent my whole life trying to think of other scenarios, if things that if things that it could be, but the only conclusion is that it's exactly. other life forms and UFOs, she added. She added that looking at the sky, it scares me as I do not know what I am going to see next. The report added that Christy is a stay-at-home mother from Liverpool, Merseyside. She has seen lights flying across the sky as she claims that those were UFOs. She even had a joint encounter with some friends while on holiday in Wales in 1997. Now she apparently suffers from PTSD due to her experiences. (gasps) For the universe, post-traumatic stress disorder is a mental health condition that is basically triggered by by a terrifying event, either after experience or witnessing it. Wow. I'm not going to read the whole article because it's pretty long, but that pretty much sums it up. Wow. 
Okay. Um, so that was one story. Now, I really like this next title. I haven't read this story yet, but it says, here's the title. Seagulls could be alien spies sent to watch us, UFO expert claims. <laughs> I'm going to... Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say, but I'm going to read it. It's from, oh, once again, The Mirror. They got the best articles. <laughs> Nick Pope is a UFO expert and once worked as a government advisor on alien issues. And now he has spoken out to say that seagulls might actually be extraterrestrial spies. Have you ever seen a baby seagull? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> yes or no? No. Neither have I. A UFO expert believes that seagulls could be alien spies Wait. sent to Earth to spy on humanity. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense. No, I know why we haven't seen any baby seals. why? seagulls. Why? Because, because they're, they're alien nests. spies. They're in their nests. Where's their nest? At the beach. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Nick Pope, who worked as a government advisor and investigated UFOs for the MOD, urged people to be distrustful of the greedy goals. He said that besides stealing chips and ice creams, they could pose a more serious threat by collecting evidence for advanced alien race. Nick said that aliens could be using the birds to, sur to survey us and send secrets back to their mothership. Nick said, if aliens want to hack into the and control a living orgasm or construct a drone that is a perfect mimic, it would be best to choose something ordinary and obscuous, like a seagull or a housefly. No, I know what they did. What? Okay. So there are actual regular seagulls because people found mm -hmm. them dead and, you know. Mm -hmm. There's actual seagulls, but some of them aren't actual seals. seagulls. Right. Not all seagulls are aliens, yes. are controlled by aliens. Just some of them. Just some. But all the time, this is still um, Pope speaking, Nick Pope, but all the time it would be spying on us, recording everything and sending information about us back to the alien homeworld. So next time you move to swat that fly, watch out. Your actions might inadvertently start an intercellular war. Um, he didn't say that. I don't think he did. He added, if aliens are secretly monitoring Earth, they'll be doing it up close and personal, not with distant telescopes, but a way that would enable them to get crystal clear images and recordings right under our noses. Any civilization capable of getting here from other star systems undoubtedly has technology that would seem like magic to us. And one possibility is that they might be able to impact, implant a living creature with tiny cameras and recording devices and then control its thoughts to position it anywhere of interest. Can you let Ghost Cat out? Yes. A related alternative would be to construct drones that are indistinguishable from animal, a bird, or an insect. If that sounds like science fiction, it isn't. People have probably seen one on the internet. Some images of insects like drones that spy agencies allegedly use. As ever, if that's stuff they're showing up, what else have they got that they aren't showing you? By the way, 
By the way of comparison, aircraft like the Self Fighter and the Self Bomber were flying for years before they were public knowledge. The military and the intelligence agencies have things that look like they come out of a sci-fi movie or a James Bond film. There are some real-life cues out there, for sure. Do just imagine what an alien cue could do. Wow. Wow. I really like that story. Because I, I think that's how it would happen. I mean, they don't need to... Um, like, they don't need to... Like, if they have the technology to get here, obviously they're either traveling through time or traveling through a portal or something, right? Yeah. So they would have the technology to make these drones that look like insects or other animals that could be spying on us. You are correct. They're probably cats. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. I'm a cat. Oh, <laughs> this one was really interesting. U.S. government reported proposed nuking the moon. Newly released documents reveal. Hmm. So at one point, the U.S. government wanted to nuke the moon. Why? We all would have died. Uh -uh. <laughs> I would think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they would do this. Um, the U.S. government now defunct a advanced agent, now defunct advanced aerospace threat identification program, ATIP, spent millions of taxpayer dollars to research bizarre experimental technology such as invisibility cloaks, mm -hmm. anti-gravity devices, I want one of those. wormholes, and proposal tunnel through the moon with nuclear explosives according to dozens of documents attained by vice.com. The documents, which include nearly 1,600 pages of reports, proposal contracts, and meeting notes, reveal some of the stranger priorities of ATIP, a secret Department of Defense program that ran from 2007 to 2012, but only became known public in 2017 when the program's former director resigned from the Pentagon. That year, ATIP became synonymous with UFOs, thanks to several now infamous videos of an unidentified aircraft moving seemingly impossible ways that former director Louis Elzondo leaked to the press after his resignation. But the new, but the newly document suggests ATIP was up to more than just investigating report UFO encounters. The entire cache of 51 documents attained by Vice via a Freedom of Information Act, the FOIA, request filed four years ago can be read here. But I'm it's on their page. It's on live science. I'm not gonna go to it now, but I'll go to it later and, and see if I can post some pictures. Perhaps most intriguing among the documents are several dozen defense intelligence defense intelligence reference documents, DIRDs, which discuss the viability of various advanced technologies. This collection includes reports on trav on wormholes, stargates, and negative energy, high frequency gravitational wave communications, warp drive, dark energy, and the manipulation of extra dimensions, and many other topics that will sound familiar to fans of science fiction. Many of the reports stress the impracticalities of implementing advanced technologies. In the DIRD report on invisibility cloaking, for example, the authors, whose names have been retracted, 
in all of the reports, write that perfect cloaking devices are impossible because they require materials where the speed of light approaches infinity. However, cloaking devices that make objects invisible to microwave-based sensors such as radars and motion detectors are definitely within reach of the present technology. Other reports do not shy away from bold, sometimes outlandish proposals for realizing advanced technologies. In a report on negative mass proportion, the authors propose a plan to look for extremely lightweight metals in the center of the moon that may be 100,000 times lighter than steel, but still have the strength of steel. To reach the center of the moon, the authors suggest blasting a tunnel through the lunar crust and the mantle using thermonuclear explosives. Of course, the U.S. has not nuked the moon and shows no immediate intention to. NASA's upcoming Artemis mission plans to return humans to the moon for the first time since the Apollo era, with the ultimate goal of establishing a sustainable human presence there. Rattling the moon with nuclear explosions would likely prove contrary to this mission. Whether these DIRD documents ever led to any long-term investments in advanced technologies is unclear. According to Vice, much of ATIP's agenda relied on contract research from a private company called Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies, that's B-A-A-S-S, the company run by Robert Bigelow, a personal friend of late Senator Harry Reid, who was responsible for the creation of ATIP, was awarded a $10 million contract for their first year of research for the program. The latest FOIA document dump arrives just three weeks after British tabloid The Sun obtained more than 1,500 pages of documents related to alleged UFO encounters cataloged by the AATIP, ATIP. Included among the documents was a report on the alleged biological effects of UFO encounters on humans. The report listed listed paralysis, apparent abduction, and unaccounted for pregnancies as reported side effects of alleged UFO encounters. Vice reports will be delving into the newly acquired database of AATIP documents in detail over the coming weeks. Okay. Wow. So yeah, that happened. What did you think of that? I don't think it would have been smart to nuke the moon. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. I think that at one point when the astronauts were on the moon, they were trying to drill down and try to get some samples or something, and they had a really hard time drilling into the moon. You know? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I mean, what are your thoughts, Ella? I think that's whack. Right? It should not happen. It should not happen. Okay. You got a story for us? Mm-hmm. Let's hear your story. Okay. I've got two because they're really short. Oh, okay. Like, really, really short. Like, that much. Okay, anyways. I'm going to pronounce it so wrong. So be prepared. The Jin Minju. I said that so wrong. So sorry. Jim Jinimi Jim Jim Manju. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. Anyways, 
No good cryptid roundup is complete without a mysterious plant. And the Jinminju is exactly that. Alleged to grow in southern China, this human-tree hybrid is said to go smiling human heads for fruit. The seeds of fruit are also supposed to be resembling a smiley face, or smiling faces. By some accounts, when the the face of the fruit ripens, it is it is edible and has a sweet and sour taste. In earlier times, it is said the trees were plentiful, and in some instances, farmed. The landscape was said to be abuzz with the laughter of a thousand happy heads. So, is this fruit still real? I have no clue. Is that the end of the story? Yeah. I told you it was really short. That is a short story. So, so this is a fruit that grows on a tree. Yes. It looks kind of like an apple. Yes, it's like an apple type. It has smiley faces on it. And so the seed. God bless you, Harry. Harry sneezed. So these apples have smiley face. Are they green? What color are they? Red. They might be green, but the ones I saw were red. Hmm. Very interesting. And then I wonder, like, if you pick it off the tree, if it would scream, and then you bite into it, like it has a sad face. Has a smiley face. What after you bit into it? Yeah. Anyways. Is it happy that it's being consumed? I mean, who wouldn't be? You're eating this animal <laughs> or this thing alive. Obviously, it's some living creature if it's smiling and laughing, but is it expressionless? I mean, it just smiles all the time? I guess so. That needs more research. Definitely. Next time, I'm doing more. Anyways, I have another one. Okay. So, um, what was I going to say? I don't know what you're going to say because I don't know what your story is. Oh, yeah, that's right. Story. So... In my horror writing class, mm-hmm. um, today's topic was cryptids, mm-hmm. and um, we were told to make up a cryptid, do a right. story about it. I'm just going to tell a quick, not quick, but like, because I don't really see, I'm not reading it, because mm-hmm. I typed it, and sent it to the chat. So anyways, it was about a girl walking home from school on a Wednesday evening. With her friend. Her friend goes to his house. And she continues on walking. And she suddenly feels a big rumble from underneath her feet. Like she steps back. And a huge flower comes up from the ground. That's like a light yellow. And it's as tall as a building. To get wow. to its full length. And she screams on fear. And it looks over. And you could tell it had like a look of like concern. But it didn't have a face. So this this flower that's the size of a building doesn't have a face. But, but it, had it has an expression. a concerned expression. Okay. Was the whole thing pale yellow? Oh, no, like the flower part, but the stem wasn't. What color was the stem? Green. Okay. Anyways, so when, then when it had that concerned face, she just like felt this wave of like calmness. Right. When she went to go touch the stem. As she barely touched the stem, 
it shot back into the ground and she never saw anything like it ever again. Wow. Yep. That is an interesting story. That's the type of cryptid I would be if I was a cryptid. What was the name of the cryptid? I forgot to name it. You didn't name it? That was like one of the biggest parts too. Was what the, the name, name it be? and I completely forgot. The shoot up? No, yeah. shoot up plant? No. The not the shoot up from the ground too. Mm. What are the flowers called in Alice in Wonderland? I don't know. I don't recall. I don't recall that. But that was an interesting story. Yes. That was good. What if, um, hmm, I'm thinking about this flower, giant flower shooting up from the ground. She um, Was she the only one that saw it? Because her friend already went home. Okay, was she in the city? No. It was, like, on a sunny sidewalk street. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a calm little neighborhood. Kind of like the one that looks like in Edward Scissorhands. Mm. With the birds. Everything tree. was all manicured. and Well, did it did it hurt the ground when it came up? Like, did it leave a hole or anything afterwards? Yeah, it left a big, like, mark. But then the ground, like, I just thought of this. So then the ground like comes and it like looks like nothing happens. So there's no evidence. Just like you've right. never seen a dead Bigfoot. Right. Right. Wow. That's a great story. My nose is runny. I kind of leads us into my story. Which is going to be about. Bigfoot. The Minnesota Iceman. Whoa. I don't know how many of you, our listeners have heard of the Minnesota Iceman, but. Then some research on it. Very interesting. Very interesting. And let's see. Let me pull up. I'm going to read an article that I found. I'm trying to think of a name for the flower. If, okay. if you guys think of a name for the flower, cryptid, message. Yeah. Comment. Please. We're lonely. No, not really. Lonely. No, who is lonely? Oh, who? That dead raccoon. Well, no, he's got all his beetle friends. You know who is lonely? That skull. That deer skull. In the yeah, bucket. he's probably lonely. Okay. This is entitled The Strange Case of the Minnesota Iceman. The modern day corpse of a human-like hominoid preserved in a block of ice encountered by researchers in the 1960s. You say, surely the zoological discovery of the century, but it wasn't. Regular readers will know that I recently published a book. Oh, this is um, this is about this guy's book. It's by Darren Nash. Uh, he wrote the article on January second, twenty seventeen. This is out of Scientific American. So. Let's start there. Regular readers will know that I recently published a book on cryptozoology titled Hunting Monsters that came out in 2016. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy everything on Amazon. At the time of writing, it's only out as an ebook, but in just a matter of weeks, it will be available on hard copy too. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Let's see. I'm 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 kind of going through it. Bum, bum, bum. 
um, D, uh, what was I gonna say? I wonder if there's any more colors of the flower. Like, is there blue, purple? I don't know. Oh. You're making it up, so is there? I don't know. Is there? That and we're still on the flower. I don't know. I would imagine. Would what color know? are its roots? Ooh, orange. They're mm. neon orange, like brighter than this orange. Hmm. Okay. With that being said, let's get back to the Minnesota Iceman. The odd bones, hairs, and so on, sometimes said to be evidence for Bigfoot or the Yeti, are far cry from what, from the most remarkable piece of data associated with the so-called crypto hominids, the complete carcass of a hirsute male hominid, 1.8 meters tall, preserved in ice, and transported about the United States as part of a traveling exhibit belonging to Frank D. Hansen. At this time... Late 1968, the species was known as the Cybersquoi creature. It's a, pictures are pretty scary. The species was brought to the attention of cryptozoologist Ivan T. Sanders and Bernard Hovelsman, Hovel, Hovelman by aspiring naturalist Terry Collin. Collin had observed the carcass at the International Livestock Exposition annual fair in Chicago. Hansen claimed that he was only the temporary ward of the body and that it belonged to an undisclosed owner, widely rumored to be actor Jimmy Stewart. At one time, Hansen claimed that the body had been discovered floating in a block of ice off the Siberian coast by a Russian seal hunting vessel. Later, he said that a Japanese whaling ship found the body. Later still... He said that it had been found in a deep freeze facility in Hong Kong. Hovelman's 1969, Sanders' 1969, Nepera 1973, and later still, it was said that the animal had been shot on a hunting trip in the Whiteface Reserve region of Minnesota. He said he shot in 1968. For all these suggestions... The most popular idea about the body's origin is that it was collected in Vietnam and flown to the United States in a body bag. Hovelman's connected it with the story of a huge ape killed in Danyang, Vietnam in 1966, supposedly close to where Hansen had been stationed during the war. Sanderson and Hovelsman examined the Iceman in December 1968 at Hansen's home, where it was being stored off show for the winter. Both became convinced of its reality, so much so that they prepared detailed illustrations and planned to have the creature described in technical literature. The body was that of a robust, barrel-chested male with a thick neck and large hands and feet. Its face was broad, flattened, and possessed a short, upturned nose and prominent brow ridges. An eyeball dangled from one of the sockets, apparently resulting from a gunshot to the back of the head, and 
a bend in the forearm was interpreted as evidence for fractured radius and ulna. Can I say something? Yes. The eyeball thing reminds me of a thing. What thing? That's the deer. The deer? Yeah, when I had to take out its eyeballs. Oh, well, <laughs> don't be gross. Come on. Or the raccoon. Um, Sanders and Sanderson and Ho Hovelman were intrigued by its enormous hands. Its thumbs... Its thumb was slender, tapered, and long. Its nails were flat, yellow, and of an appearance that almost looked manicured. Sanderson, 1969, and a heel-like pad was present on its palm's outer side. It features, it features suggested that San, Sanderson to be in, in, indicated of habitual quadrupedal, quadrupedal behavior. Yeah, I'm struggling. At one point during the examination, the glass over over this case cracked, releasing an odor described that of decomposing flesh. Ooh. Um, I know. This object has been known ever since as the Minnesota Iceman. Sanderson and Hovel, Hovelman both spoke about it in the media. Sanderson making the unfortunate decision to refer to it as Bozo. This seemed oddly unhelpful, giving his apparent belief that it was real. Hovelsmans published a 1969 paper on it in a Belgium scientific journal, identifying it as a new species of the human genus, the named Homo pogoids, meaning ape-like human. Hovelman, 1969. He later modified his this proposal arguing that H. pogoids was a form of living Neanderthal. His ideas were explored in detail in his 1974 book, El Homme de Netherland S. Toujant Vivant, Vivant co-author with Russian historian, economist, and cryptid humanoid expert Boris Porshnev. John Naper, a prime <clears throat> primatologist at the Smithsonian Institute with a serious interest in cryptoed humans, was invited to examine the Iceman. He became sure that it was a latex model. Hansen's dodge for this was that he had withdrawn the original genuine specimen from display, most from fear of being found guilty of killing what might have been a form of a human and replace it with a model. Sanderson supported this by saying that the specimen examined by Naper was obviously different from the original one he had, he and Hollivans had examined. Photos show that over the years, the form of the face and body varied somewhat. In some photos, the mouth is closed, and in others, it's open, clearly, clearly revealing a complement of large teeth. Maybe there was more than one model, and some of the models looked more realistic than others, but it also seems possible that it, that as the model used by Hansen was defrosted and frozen again for each annual outing, it would have taken on a slightly different pose and appearance each time.
The skeptical view of the Minnesota Iceman has always been that it was a hoax. The latest in a long tradition of displaying anemic memorabilia sideshow exhibits that are implied to be real. In 2013, what appears to be the original and genuine article was offered for sale online. Today, the Minnesota Iceman is owned by Steve Boosty in the Museum of the Weird in Austin. So if anybody's been out to the Museum of the Weird in Austin, Texas, please let me know. Send me a picture of it. That'd be cool. That'd be great. That's the only reason um, I'm not going to say anything about Texas. Texas is a great place. I've never been to Austin. I would love to go to Austin, though. We've been to Texas before. We have been. Mm-hmm. We drove there. We drove there. Mm-hmm. We saw a cat. We saw a cat. Yeah, I remember we stopped at that uh, bathroom place. And oh, and there was a cat. cat. Yeah. Like, okay. So it certainly looks identical to specimen disvested and illustrated by Hovelman and Sanders. Its hoax nature doesn't exactly leave Hovelman and Sanders looking all that credible as scientists. What makes the Minnesota Iceman case especially interesting within the context of cryptozoology as a whole is how it was interpreted by supporters of its reality. Thanks to Hovelman's influence, the concept of a dark-furred Asian crypto-humanid with an upturned nose, distinctive facial and foot anatomy, and a barrel-shaped chest has caught on. Crypto-hominids researcher Helmut Lufwasowa argued in 1994 that the images from ancient art were consistent with this description, and hence that knowledge of homo Pognoids has been influential throughout human history. Of course, wherever we search in the world, there are legend stories and often claimed sightings of wild, hairy people, so it isn't surprising that various semi-legendary Asian creatures were linked to the concept and suggested as possible representatives of the same sort of animal. A large number of wild men reports collected from the Kakuas in the west of Mongolia, in the east by crypto-humanoid researcher Boris Porchev, Dmitry Bayanov, and Marie-Jean Kaufman, have been said to be uncannily similar to homo pognoids, pogoids, in anatomy and therefore interpreted as sightings of the exact same species. In addition, more than 20 reports collected in northern Pakistan by the late Herbatologist Jordi McGrainer and pertaining to a wild man known as the Bar Manu have also been regarded as descriptions of homo pognoids. The witnesses again report reporting a long list of features regarding as regarded regarded as consistent with the creature's appearance. Wow. Um, McGarner's investigation and analysis has been regarded as a great triumph of cryptozoology method and as a demonstration of the fact that Homo pognoids and the Minnesota Iceman are valid biological entities similar. Luf's Wissowas ideas about hominoids of this sort being depicted in art have also been regarded as providing support for the existence of this creature. But the Iceman was a model, but the Iceman was a model, and thus the species 
and the traits associated with it evaporated as anything meaningful in biological terms. Where does this leave all those reports that match its description? We have to conclude that everything written about pognoids, like humanoids, hominoids, encountered in ancient art and real life is erroneous, that people were picking and choosing those features that match the pognoids concept and being led astray by a mistake assumption that it was a real animal. For previous Tet Zoo articles on hunting monsters and other relatives, see, okay, so you could check out the Cryptozoological Volume 1, the Cryptozoology Good or Bad for Science, um, Hunting Monsters, Cryptozoology, and the Reality Behind Myths, If Bigfoot Were Real. Those are some of the books that you can check out for more information. And I am currently reading, um, oh, what's the name of the book I'm reading where I found the first article on this? I'll post a picture of it on our Instagram page so everybody can check it out. I think it's a Madre of Monsters, a Madre of Monsters. And this was like one of the first ones. Um, I, I meant to look up the author of that, but I haven't yet. But it's a new book that I'm currently reading to read along with my other seven books that I'm currently reading. So it's pretty fun. You know, I could pick a different book every night. I'm reading um, UFO Encounters by um, W.J. Sheenan, which is pretty good. They do terror, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods podcast. But that book is really interesting. It's just um, UFO Encounters. That is really good. So what did you think about the Minnesota Iceman? I think Ella? that was crazy. I know. Do you think that the original one was real and that the guy did change it out? Maybe. Do you think he might have sold it on the black market? Like the original one? Because he died. It talked about yeah. when he died. Yeah. Um, I'm still in the thick of the one article, but it had talked about when the guy died and um, what happened to it and what his kids were saying about it. And one was saying that. Um, the the original owner had taken it back yeah, and they made the latex copy to mimic it so it could still travel around yeah and people could still see it but back in the 1960s if this was real and these people were studying these creatures um why did it fizzle out so bad I mean, do you think because somebody said, oh, no, that's a latex hoax? Yeah, probably. And I was like, oh, no. But then they were like, no, that's not the creature that we saw. We saw a totally different creature. Hmm. I'm reading a book, too, right now. What book are you reading? It's a comic book. It's a comic book. What comic book? My nose is running. Um, Allergies. I forget what it's called. But it's about a conjoined twins. And one dies. Well, they were getting separated, and the twin that didn't want it lived, but the one that did want it died. And this twin comes back to haunt her? It stays with her. Wow. And she can hear it, feel it. And I know who bought that comic book for you. I don't. Really? You, <laughs> you were there. Yep. I was okay. There. 
Let's go over my nose again. We're back. All right. So we have time for one more, one more scary tale. So imagine this. You and your friend are driving through a national forest. You've driven this spot many times before. And you always stop to check in at the ranger station. Say your greetings because you, you kind of know them now. Tell them that you're just going to be out and about, what you're looking for if you're going hunting or you're looking for mushrooms or you're not supposed to take anything from the National Forest, but they often stop by the ranger station because they are friendly with them. So anyway, this is what happened one night when they were driving through. They're driving in their pickup truck, and as they're driving down the road, they're about 10 minutes from the ranger station. It's dark out, so they were on their way out of the forest. And then all of a sudden, a creature runs in front of their truck. He slams into it, hitting the creature. They slam on the brakes. They're like, oh my gosh, what was that? They get out. They look on the ground, and it's a giant black wolf, the biggest wolf that they have ever seen. They said it must have weighed about 200 pounds. No, that's huge. It was huge. So they pull up the truck and the two men lift it onto the back of the truck together. They get it in the back of the truck and they drive it to the ranger station. They call the ranger out and uh, looks at it. He said, wow, that is one big wolf. That's one big squawk. He calls his commander. His commander comes in and was like, doesn't say anything, but is in awe. He said he could tell by the look on his face that he's just like, oh my goodness, what is that thing? And he goes in and he makes a couple phone calls, right? Tells the men to stay put. Somebody's on their way to take care of it. So after waiting for a few minutes and talking to to the rangers, um, the guy's like, have you ever seen a whoop this big? And one of them's like, we don't even have wolves in these area. We don't know what that thing is. And the head ranger is like, we don't need to be talking about this anymore. People are on their way to take a look at it. And then about a half hour later, a black SUV pulls up. Five guys come out, all dressed in black, identical suits. Two of them come over and they immediately unfold a body bag and they put the creature in it. Now this body bag was oversized, like bigger that you could fit two, three people in it. And the two men pick it up, struggling a little bit, and they carry it to the back of the SUV and they put it in the back. Two of the other men went and stand by the two guys that hit this creature. They didn't say a word to him. They just stood next to him. And one man went in to talk to the rangers. After a few minutes, maybe 10 minutes of 
the one guy talking to the ranger, he comes out and he walks up to the two men and he said, wow, that was some big bear that you hit tonight. And one guy was like, that's not a bear. And he's like, it is a bear. And if you say any different, we're going to make your life really miserable. And with that being said, the five men got back in, back into their SUV and left. And that was it. And then as the rangers were coming out, they all agreed that it was a bear. And the men, the one man was like, I know it wasn't a bear. And the rangers come up saying, it was a bear. You hit a bear. And he's like, well, who's going to fix my truck? And then he goes, call your insurance company. So what do you think the creature was? I think it was a squonk. I think it was a dog man. A squonk? They're not black and furry and they look like wolves, a giant wolf. I think it was a dog man that was on all fours and he jumped out. That was a friend of a friend's tale. Hmm. Friend of a friend's tale. Allegedly true. Allegedly. So you're saying. Don't know for sure. Hmm? You're saying you just made it off the top of your head? No. I've heard you tell that story before. Yeah. On here. Yeah, on here. Yeah. On the podcast? Yes. That's been a long time ago. It's like several times. I was like, no. Yes, I swear. Really? Either our second or third time. Okay, how about this one? Now, this is a story from the area, and this happened many years ago. Is it real? It's real. It's real, and it was, it was told me secondhand, because I believe the person that it happened to is no longer with us. Anyway, there was this guy who was out hunting. He's walking a game trail, right? And up ahead of him, he sees a Bigfoot on the trail. You know what he did? Eat it. He shot it and then ate it. Nope. He said, hey, this trail ain't big enough for the two of us and I'm not leaving. So you need to get gone. And don't come around here because you're scaring off all the deer. And that was his story. I have a story. Okay. This may or may not be true. No, mine was true. That last story was supposedly true. Yeah, uh-huh. The person told it to me where the person had told her directly. Anyways, this story may or may not be true. Okay. May not. Not. It may or may not be true. Is it not. scary? Okay. Is it ghostly? So... You're walking on the sidewalk. Wait, no, I already told the story earlier. I was about to tell the flower one. You already told the flower one. I already told the flower one. Sorry getting you guys all excited because I'm like the best. Now you don't have a story to to tell. Now I do. What's the story? So you see this paintbrush right behind you. Mm -hmm. It turns over and has a face on it. That's all because I literally just looked at that paintbrush. (laughs) That's what I thought of. Okay, I got a story. One day I was down in the basement doing some writing. Right? I'm sitting at this very desk with this very computer. Minus the microphone and the, uh, everything else. It wasn't cluttered then. Did I'm you have sitting your here. 
Hmm? Did you have your Cosmos? No. But I hear a knock. I was like, who is knocking? It sounded like it was coming from the closet there. Like, who is knocking on the wall? What is going on? So I get up and I go to the closet. Turn on the closet light and nothing is in there. I was like, hmm. Like, that's strange. How unusual is that? Why would there be knocking on our wall? So I come back and I sit down and I'm writing one of my stories. I'm like, why does it sound like it's coming from the closet? I check the bathroom and there's that leeway where you can go into the back of the bathroom and it kind of leads to the closet area. I don't see anything. I would have been Once again. This time, it sounded like it was right next to me as I was walking out of the bathroom. Like, what is that knocking? So you know what I did? What? I left. Because I couldn't take it anymore. I would have left. As it was I too much. I would have ran. It was too much knocking going on. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. I'm not an experienced ghost hunter, so. Holy Jack. I don't know where the knocking came from. I don't know if it was just some spirit oh, knocking I mean, on the wall. Before we go. Okay, we have a few minutes. What's that? Okay. What do you think will take over the world? What I think will take over the world? Cats. Of course you think cats. How? How would they take over the world? Have you seen them? Yeah. No, what I think will take over the world? What? World? What? Birds. Think mm. about it. Eagle, hawk, um, cats that eat birds. Hold on, not but hold so on. Hawk, hawks and hold stuff on. eat the cats. Seagulls, <laughs> you know, house fin or no goldfinch, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Get like ten of them. Ten different species of birds. And they go and pick at you. Your your flesh gone to the bone. Your eyes. What about gone. crows and ravens? Haven't you seen that movie, The Birds? Whatever. I'm, no, I'm talking about all the birds. Whatever. Get a bunch of them. They just get at you. Pick you up. You fly up. They drop you. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're dying right there on the spot. Done. Now, they, 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 we have all these birds locked up in cages. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They're going to get out and come for those humans. They're going to go all in like this little spot in the woods or whatever, all of them. Right. And have a chat. Yes, yeah, so they're all going to go talk and then they're coming for us. That would be a lot of birds. Exactly. Well, gooses are mean. Exactly. That's I can a bird. see that. Chickens. Chickens. Chickens are crazy. We farm them. They're, gonna, they're coming for us in our sleep. Oh my <laughs> How are they going to get in? God. I just thought of something and then cough. We had a chicken in our bus yesterday. What? Yeah, they're checking out the place to go in and get us in our sleep. Hmm. Oh, Harry just walked out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. All right. We need to wrap it up. Yeah. Goodbye. Any closing words? Goodbye. That's your closing word? Oh, you know where you can find us at? No. The Crypt in Your Backyard on Instagram. The Cryptids in Your Backyard on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. The Cryptids in Your Backyard at mail.com. If you have a story that you would like to share with us, please do. Um, 
We would love to hear your story. And don't forget, we're going to be at the Western North Carolina Bigfoot Festival. That's coming up on May 14th. And we still have some stickers left. So if you would like one, you know, just shoot me your address. We will not keep your address or forward it or sell it to anybody. You know, automatically well, just now that you said delete that, it. It makes it sus. What? Now that you said that, it's suspicious. Why? We won't copy your address. Plus, that's not going to take the time to drive out there or fly out there, even. What? Never mind. Where are we going to fly out to? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed this um, week's episode. If you did, please leave us a five star rating. If you didn't, just email us on how we could approve. And tell us who's the funniest. And tell us who's the funniest because Ella thinks that it's her. It is me. I think I that it's Harry. It is not Harry. Do Why? Not Harry's dog. funny. He hasn't said a word. He says lots of things. He just walked out. Maybe this episode was so bad that he's like, I'm done. I'm leaving. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. I'm All right. Here. Until next week. See ya. Have a great week. See ya.